The Waves of Tech is the down-to-earth tech podcast for you, your family, and your friends. We remove all the complicated, drawn-out explanations of technology and simply talk about how technology is influencing every element of our lives. From social media and the cloud to tweeting and mobile communication, we talk tech in a different way. So plug in your devices and listen as we get ready to ride the waves of tech. On episode 482 of the Waves of Tech, Dragon One's mission ends and the effect of coronavirus on the tech industry. You can find recent episodes of the podcast and connect with us on social media by heading over to thewavesoftech.com. Well, Steve, we are back. Last week was mayhem for us. Unfortunately, my dogs, actually two of my dogs, had to go to the emergency vet last Monday. You had work issues. Tuesday, IRA had obligations. So halfway through the week, we're like, you know, we're just gonna have to skip it. We can't make it. Let's just get on next week. So welcome back. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing good. And hey, you know, crap happens. And it's not something that uh, is do or die. It's an occupation or, or we we're being fed millions of dollars to produce this content. I mean, that's just the way it is, Dave. No, it's always great to get back in the saddle. It's uh, currently kind of an interesting time in, in the tech industry because of what's going on in the world, and we're going to be talking about that. So a lot of news, a lot of information is really kind of behind closed doors right now until the world figures out where we're going with uh, the coronavirus. It's something that we have to talk about because it affects people, and uh, people are the biggest commodity and in, in importance of technologies. So with that, I guess we'll get going. Well, let's dive right in. Yeah, excellent introduction, Steve. I just want to start with a quick little story here. It's been a while since I stayed at a hotel where I was able to book online, check in via the app, unlock my door to my hotel room via the app, and not even have to talk to a single person on the phone or at the front desk. And that's exactly what happened two weeks ago when my wife and I were out of town. We were staying in LA. We're going to this international rugby event. And we've been built... If anyone's been listening to this podcast for a while, I no longer book through like Hotels.com or any of those those, uh, third-party sites, which had a major catastrophe issue with them. So I strictly just book directly through hotels. I call them directly. I book book through Hilton and part of their honors program. I pretty much stay exclusively with Hilton honors. So I book everything through there, have my membership number. And I finally got prompted in an email to say, hey, download the app for pre-check-in. So I'm like, cool. you know. So I download it, get all my things, and it has your upcoming stays. It can provide you with details about exploring the area around you as far as food, recreation, things to do. And then I got a notification that says, you can use a digital key at this hotel that I was staying at. So about three hours before, I just requested access to my digital key. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work. And then it said, unable to confirm identity, please check in at the front desk. So I was having problems connecting with the app. It was just the area I was in, the stadium I was at. There's a lot of people using their phones. So I was like, okay, I'll just check back with my digital key in a little bit. So on the way to the hotel, sure enough, I open it up and says, your identity has been confirmed. You've been checked into room 136. Just go to the door. Like I bypassed the check-in process. I bypassed having to confirm my reservation with anybody in person. And sure enough, when you get close to the door, it says tap to unlock. It recognizes it. I'm assuming it's using a near field communication of some sort, NFC. And of course, my Bluetooth, yeah, perhaps it was Bluetooth technology, but whatever. It asked me to unlock. And sure enough, I put my my app and my phone next to the door. I hit tap to unlock and my door went shink. And sure enough, Steve, I was in the hotel. So from parking lot to 
to bed. <laughs> it took me about seriously two minutes to walk from my car to be in my hotel room. No, and it's not really an inconvenience, but the 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 inconvenience of stopping, having to check in, doing the run around about which room do you want to stay in? When do you need checkout? Do you need late checkout? You know, whatever they're doing behind the keyboards to find your room, that was all done ahead of time. And I just walked right into my hotel room. It was super convenient. You can even check out via the app. And so I never had to really talk to anybody. You know, I went and had my breakfast and checked out. And, you know, I'm, I'm only sharing this because it's not a novel concept. I know a lot of people and a lot of hotels have improved their technology. They've improved their applications. They've improved the checkout process. But for me being first timer going through here, not understanding how the entire Hilton process worked, very informative, very easy. Definitely another reason why I would choose to continue, continue to use their services in the future than somewhere else where I perhaps have to check in and have any issues with my reservation. It was just all done remotely, Steve, all done through the app. Very very seamless, easy process, but but it was cool to just experience something new in technology. And in this sense, it was hospitality and travel and how applications have really improved the efficiency of not only the process for myself and the hotels, but has actually improved the hospitality uh, scene in its entirety, you know, where there's no waiting in lines, it's easy access, it's really given a lot of control to the, the person that has the reservation. I think that's a, a bit of unusual slant that hasn't really gone on in hospitality, but things are changing. And I just want to share that quick story about what had happened to me. I actually love this, Dave, because it's about efficiency. I've never stayed in a, um, in a place like that that has um, that much integration. You know, it's great when things go good. What if there had been a glitch? Cuss words fly and this gosh darn stuff and technology should never be doing this. But when it works, you know, we're all fat, dumb and happy. I wish this had existed when I was with IBM because I would check in and out of hotels multiple times a week. And when you've been flying all day, you're tired and you just want to get to your room or, or if you're traveling and have young children. You get in at, you know, 11 p.m. at night and you got to stand in line and wait for somebody to check you in and on and on it goes. This, this is really cool. Now, I'm sure that all of Hilton isn't this way, but we also get into this factor again of is technology driving away jobs? Are apps taking over people? And as I have mentioned before, uh, maybe an initial front view that is true, but on the backside, it's adding more positions in the technology space and development and, and all of those kinds of things. But, you know, when you have a problem, it's still good to be able to go downstairs and find a face and go, I got an issue I'd like to talk about. And, and that's really cool. So uh, can you control your maid service and all that from the app, Dave? No, as a matter of fact, I believe you still have to call in. And we, we did. We didn't have any hand soap. And so we needed some of that. But you're right. You, you, you're not going to displace all humans and technology is not there to do it. And humans aren't going to replace all the technology. And you still need that, right? If, if there was something wrong, as you said, with the application, I still would have had to have spoken to someone. It's nice in the hospitality industry say, hey, I have this issue. Let's fix it. Hospitality is not Facebook. It's not Google. It's not Apple where you can't call anybody. There's no return phone number. You can't leave a message. That's not how hospitality works. And and, and, and I'm glad that, it, like you said, it's seamless integration, but it's not technology 100% of the experience. And I think uh, just having that was, was nice. But yeah, definitely improved the process. As you said, a long day. We left our house on last Saturday at like 8 a.m., we actually didn't get to our hotel room till about 10 o'clock. And so that 14 hour period, we were ready to be in our rooms and the sooner the better. And it's not that we would have been rude or inconsiderate to the front desk. It's just that's another step 
And Hilton made that very easy to just bypass that and just be comfortable in your hotel room. And it was great. So wanted to share that uh, little tidbit there. So Steve, SpaceX is in the news with Dragon One, their cargo capsule making uh, uh, the, the end of an era perhaps, uh, when it comes to SpaceX Dragon 1. So uh, what kind of news we got on that front? Well, this past Friday, they had another launch, which was going to, or which was going to and did dock with the International Space Station to resupply with uh, new experiments and also furnishments for, for a crew. And what was significant about this? Number one, the blastoff was like at 11.30 p.m. in the evening, East Coast time, which was kind of odd because there were some delays for various reasons. And so Friday night, I was able to watch it. And it was interesting to uh, watch an evening one, the fireballs and, and everything that goes on and the reentry and the landing of the Falcon and, and all this. But if you're not familiar with SpaceX and some of their product, the Dragon is actually the capsule that is the delivery mechanism that, that hauls everything. So what really transpired is the rockets deliver a dragon into space and then it starts its orbital maneuvering. And after a couple of days, it sinks up and, and docks with the International Space Station, which is really cool. There's no people flying it or controlling it or anything. It's just um, one of those marvels of, of newer technology. And so Dragon will be docked with the space station for a couple months while they offload. And then it will bring back down any remaining things that are no longer required on the space station. Well, Dragon 1, I believe uh, Falcon and Dragon 1 have made like 50 flights in total. And Dragon 1 is being retired uh, since it is an unmanned capsule. And Dragon 2 is now going to go into service, which has been developed for man space travel also. So with Dragon 2, we'll be able to put humans on board and go to the space station or wherever they want to go. Uh, so we're really getting into the next phase of SpaceX and, and what they're doing. SpaceX right now is really dominating what's going on in the space industry, space travel, technology, and many other facets. If you have any interest in space or spacecraft, it's it's really cool to go to SpaceX.com and start looking at some of their stuff. But find out when there's a launch going on and go to YouTube and follow it, and you'll be marveled at uh, the way launches and recoveries are now done. But Dragon 2 is now the main vehicle that will carry either cargo or personnel. Yeah, and pretty incredible run that Dragon 1 had, Steve. It's, as you mentioned, now installed on the International Space Station, scheduled to stay until sometime in April when it's obviously going to be thrown back to Earth and a splashdown over in the Pacific Ocean, as you said, will ultimately mark the passing of the torch from Dragon 1 to Dragon 2 as we look towards the what Dragon 2's uh, cargo spacecraft can do in the future with not only supplies, but also humans. And pretty incredible, Steve, just looking at the life of Dragon 1 starting in 2012, when SpaceX had assigned an original CRS, which is a commercial resupply service with NASA that was done in 2012. It's been docking to the station since then. Over the course of that contract, over the last eight years, perhaps nine years, SpaceX has actually delivered more than 94,000 pounds of supplies, experiments, and equipment to the International Space Station. It's just fantastic numbers. Pretty amazing to, to see that we are still able to commercially supply an international space station with that volume of materials and pretty incredible. So Steve, I, I, 
I don't know what else to say other than this has been an incredible run. Hopefully, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with the unit itself. Perhaps it goes on display. Perhaps it's it's retired in some sort of museum. I'm not even sure. There's a lot of places nationwide, East Coast to West Coast, that could definitely put this on display. Perhaps SpaceX leaves it within one of their warehouses or one of their one of their grand buildings that they may have is as sort of a historical marker for for the history they've presented here. But uh, just fantastic. I, and I think ultimately, Steve, we, we often forget how supplies get up to the International Space Station. And we all f- often look at the Falcon 9 rockets and the heavy rocket and everything that's going on there, but just sort of forget about the what we would consider in space is just the mundane routine resupply of astronauts in outer space. And incredible that it is it is resupplied at least 20 times. Incredible to its contribution to NASA and to the space industry. And just incredible. I would love just to see this in person one day. And I saw some photos that an individual posted, just what the casing in the shell of Dragon 1 looks like. And it's just due time. But uh, it's it's pretty incredible. And, and what, a, what a great run for Dragon 1. Well, it really is because, you know, this is the introduction of the civilian market when it comes to space travel. It's not all government now. And with Dragon 2, uh, you're going to be able to take people up for a fun time to do sightseeing, uh, maybe go up and circle around the space station or get within, uh, you know, 50,000 miles of the moon for for a peak. It's just very interesting what they do. I think what Musk will probably do with Dragon 1 is uh, take it to a tropical island for his bungalow. Yeah, it could be his little... Uh Tahiti getaway, if per se, you know, he's put it on his own little island, Dragon One Island. He probably owns like really six not. to two islands. Who knows? Very well could be. Um, very interesting guy to uh, <laughs> to figure out, but he's doing incredible things. Well, Steve, let's uh, get to uh, our final topic, which is actually going to take most of the time for our podcast. And, you know, it, it it's the big talk in the tech space right now. What is happening with the effect on the tech industry and the entertainment industry and the music industry, which are all in some way impacted by technology or in, you know influenced by it, is the effect of COVID-19. And that's, of course, coronavirus. And, you know, just as of today, and by the time people listen to this, this episode, these numbers will be out of date. But just to share current numbers, there's 110,000 in 29 COVID-19 cases globally. That equates to uh, about 3,800 deaths. Right now, 93% of those cases are in Italy, China, Korea, and I believe India. As we know right now that Italy is on a nationwide lockdown, 70% of the cases that were reported in China have now recovered. But there are World Health Organizations and global health strategies that are going out there and talking about how countries with uh, community transmission should consider closing schools, canceling gatherings. And I think, Steve, that's ultimately what I wanted to mention here is what is the technology industry doing to prevent the spread of this? And we know that major tech conferences, not only domestically, but internationally, have been canceled worldwide. We know that Google I.O. is not going to be happening. Anything that Facebook was doing is going to be canceled in the near future. There was a lot of momentum with having some things in Southeast Asia. Those have now been canceled. I know in the Northwest province of the United States here, where Amazon and Seattle are based, Seattle had their outbreak and they're trying to work with that. They are, to the greatest extent possible, Microsoft and Amazon are keeping people from going to work. We know that even in Northern California, where we have the likes of Apple and Facebook and Google, that they are also encouraging people, if they have any symptoms, to go seek medical attention, but also to stay away and prevent the spread of this virus. And it's pretty incredible. Incredible, Steve. I think one of the bigger things at play is tech corporations right now are 
are a punching bag, right? And I don't think any one of these tech corporations wants to be known as that tech company that furthered the spread of this disease. So whereas I think, yeah, there is a global approach and there's a, we're all in this together. Let's think about the greatest good. I think there's also some spin to it where they're saying, we don't want to be known because you have to think of the interconnectivity between manufacturing and distribution of goods in Asia and in China and the connection with Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and all those things, the production of supplies, the production of cell phones, the production of chips. There's there's a complete integration there. And so as China has gone on on a lockdown and there's been ghost towns and there's more and more cases that are being uh, demonstrated and proven to be um, real, that these tech corporations who travel between a lot of these nations, they're just completely locking down because they don't want to be associated with the spread of such disease. So a lot of tech conferences, Steve, nationwide, I did learn today that in the entertainment industry, that the new James Bond movie was canceled or or delayed, I'm sorry, until November at the end of 2020, mostly because one eighth of the population is in China and they need that audience to make that movie profitable. And it doesn't make sense if they can't release movies because of lockdowns and quarantines and, you know, any sort of time frames when you, when you can't go, you know, um, go outside, that's being delayed. I also learned today listening to another podcast that the most popular iTunes movie right now is a movie called Contagion. So it's demonstrating that people are trying to look within the inter- entertainment industry to see what a worldwide, you know, spread of a contagion does or how did they respond to it. It's not probably the great this step to go watching movies to try and get the most scientific evidence, but you can tell where people's heads are at right now. And I think that's what I want to get across, Steve. One really interesting thing that I found out today was that Facebook is actually blocking what they're calling cure ads. And there's been a number of corporations and well, not corporations, a number of people on Facebook trying to promote different posts and on how to cure yourself from Corona and and what medicines to take. And so, you know, props to Facebook for not allowing that to spread. They are providing World Health Organizations and the Center for Disease Control, which is domestic here in the United States, free sponsored ads within your newsfeed. So you can get real time information and updates from the sources themselves that are very reputable. So pretty incredible stuff that's going on there, Steve. I know my wife was set to travel to San Diego in late March, conference hosted by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that was shut down due to it. But we do know that Bill and Melinda Gates have a lot of, of their foundation money that goes to prevent and, uh, you know, provide medication for these communicable diseases like malaria, a lot of other virus things. So it makes sense that that foundation would have pulled back. Let's see where else our resources can go rather than doing a, a travel event for a lot of educators. So Steve, there's so much going on right now out there. I just wanted to kind of touch base right there. I know tech production and manufacturing, as I mentioned, is heavily connected to the outbreak that's going on over in Asia. We're having hundreds and thousands of data reports from governments uh, come out day in and day out. A lot of these tech corporations and a lot of, you know, it could be a lot of different firms, you know, whether it's IBM or, or GM and these other audio manufacturers are trying to do what they can remotely and have telecommuting options. I heard today, read today that there's different pharmacies that are actually delivering meds rather than picking up, which is preventing those individuals with known viruses and known infections from infecting other people at the pharmacy level. And so other other pharmacies are stepping up and saying, okay, let's protect our employees, but we are going to protect the greater good by delivering medication to your house directly. And so Steve, it's pretty incredible just to look at the whole spectrum of what's going on here. 
Markets have completely tanked. There are music festivals that have been canceled. Uh, there has been technological conferences that have been canceled. Just incredible to look at the sphere of influence. As we talked a little bit beforehand, there is obviously a lot of concern associated with coronavirus and COVID-19. And I think the prime sweet spot is somewhere in between where the media is talking and where the governments, and not just ours, but international governments are actually reporting these these data points. And so, whereas, yeah, it's a real threat. There are people that are dying. There's 3,800 people that have died so far. That is a real thing. And there are real consequences because it seems like the spread of this disease is so easily attracted, you know, and people, usually the flu, I think Steve is like one, you know, you're going to get one or two people sick if you have the flu. This thing has like a reach of like five to eight. And so it's severe, it's significant. I can uh, understand and I can also appreciate how many tech lo- technological companies are making it their mission to not spread this. Just pretty incredible, Steve. Um, we will continue to report back as, as we see fit based on it. But when you're looking at how quickly this e- escalated, and yes, perhaps the fatality rate isn't significant uh, in comparison to other ones, I think it's still, I, st- I still think it's obviously a really significant concern that not only the tech industry, but the hospitality industry, the entertainment industry, everything connected with technology. It's something that's on everybody's uh, forethoughts right now. Dave, what what a great presentation you just made on this entire topic. When we're talking about a potential pandemic, when we're talking about human life, I believe there are things that can go on hold. But there's also a side of the fans that is definitely going to be slamming these tech companies for what they're doing, whether they're being pointed at for being unfair, whether they're being selfish, whether it's a monetization ploy, whatever the case may be, we have to watch those kind of discussions and to be honest, applaud them for what they're doing. Anytime you're going to have a large gathering of people, there is the potential of spreading not just this, but but many types of uh, viruses. Let's take for consideration probably one of the biggest conferences and is going to have one of the biggest impacts is probably the, the cancellation of South by Southwest, which is in Austin every year. And it's it's huge. You know, it's not just about canceling a conference. We're talking about business transactions, business deals that get made. We're talking about probably hundreds of millions of dollars of lost economics to the surrounding area of Austin. And we could go on down the list. But what's important is is public safety and public health. And until we get a firm grasp on this, we really have to be cognizant of what some of the impacts of the decisions that we make, whether it's on a large scale like that, or whether it's a decision that we make at home, perhaps not to go to some type of public event and stay home instead, or that we're going to change some of our health patterns a little bit differently uh, in terms of maybe it's personal hygiene or whatever the case, that we really consider some of the potential risk factors Uh, make according decisions. You mentioned Bill Gates, Dave, and um, one of the things, I don't know if you saw it, that came out in the news today that his foundation is going to fund having coronavirus home testing kits. So he's going to fund that. I have a different viewpoint about a lot of these billionaires. I think for the most part, the majority of them do a lot of good, uh, and especially with the Gates Foundation, that they're able to come out and assist not just from a national or global level with uh, the CDC or whatever the case may be to to come out with uh, testing kits, but to go a little deeper and say, 
I need to get this in the hands of everyday people. Let's do something about it and fund it. So those are the real values and the real heroes that that I see with this. The other aspect, Dave, certainly is a global economics. We we've seen the U.S. stock market absolutely go into the tank because of of this. You know, there's the the talk of Apple's not going to be able to make iPhones, and you can't have the position of oh poor Apple, they're not going to be able to sell iPhones. It's an impact to global economics. And when that infrastructure begins to collapse, we have serious problems within the world when it comes to funding, number one. And number two, it shrinkens the amount of not just information, but product that can be available for us as consumers to sustain what we need to. So this entire thing is a big ball that is not just about a virus and sickness, but all its impacts. So getting back to the original topic, Dave, when it comes to tech, let's not forget the technology within the medical field that is working 24 hours a day to combat and fight and come up with some kind of solution to this horrible, horrible virus. COVID-19 is a new strand of some uh, uh, previous COVIDs, and uh, it's... um, it's tough. It's actually been out for in the wild for about a year now. But as we can see, it's, it's rapidly uh, gaining momentum. So let's don't forget about our technologies and the minds of our scientists, our healthcare providers, and the risk that some of your local healthcare providers are t- taking in ensuring their patients have a survivability if they have contracted this horrible virus. I think we have to keep our ears to the uh, to the radio and the news, Dave, and, and learn, but get it from viable sources, as you mentioned. Don't get too concerned about the hype or get caught up in it, but be precautious in your own environment. I think it's fair to say, Steve, where it's risen above 110,000 cases reported and there's 3,800 deaths, as I referred to earlier. It's You have to take it seriously at this point, right? We're in 100 countries and it doesn't matter if you work in the tech industry, if you work in the entertainment industry, if you work in hospitality, utilizing some of those general guidelines with hygiene and protecting yourself and limiting your travel. And I think one of the big things is you had mentioned with with the healthcare professionals and the scientists and, and everybody right now that's working on these things. You know, that's one reason Italy went under lockdown is the the prime minister came out and said, listen, we need to give our medical staff time to figure this out. No more social gatherings. If you need to go to work, fine. There's, there's, you try not to go to the park, limit your exposure to the outside is because we need all hands on deck essentially to utilize the knowledge and skill and quality of minds that we have within the medical field, coupling that with what sort of technologies we have built in order to you know, come up with with a vaccine for this, some sort of way of curbing it. And so I think everything at this point, Steve, is so interrelated with technology, whether it's a profession, whether it's the the, the devices we have, it's how we stay in touch. It's how, you know, obviously we're, we're staying in tune with everything that's going on. But, you know, I, I can't appreciate a lot of what the tech corporations are doing of saying, okay, we're going to at least limit our scale of impact and, 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 and halt the spread of this virus. And for that, I'm, it, it, you know, forever grateful. I mean, I, I'm here in the Central Valley of California. We have had one confirmed case about two hours north of me, but that's it. We haven't had anything south of us. Everything's been a lot, a uh, lot more northern from us. Not even all 50 states within the United States have had a confirmed case too. So, but uh, it's a real thing. And I'm 
guess I'm glad I'm podcasting here, Steve, within a distance from anybody. I know there's a lot of people within the podcast space that just recently traveled as well. And, you know, I'm scheduled to go on to Chicago in April. I'm also scheduled, cross our fingers in July that we can go on a cruise. And it's just educating yourself and being precautious about what's out there and going to those organizations and entities that have the data that can provide you the information, but also staying in touch and saying, hey, what sort of tech resources are out there for me to be the safest, not only for myself, but for my family and loved ones. So uh, just incredible stuff, Steve, that's going on. I know that's a little bit more of a tangent, which just wasn't heavily, you know, all tech based, but it's a real thing. It's touching everybody's lives right now. And uh, I, I can't wait, of course, for it to die down for, you know, a lot of these tech conferences, as you said, the innovation, the business transactions, the, you know, the, the research and development and the discussions that are happening at all these global conferences is just really impactful for the industry. And right now we are in a, in a very strict holding pattern. We're just circling that runway and that runway happens to be just in our own rooms right now. And there's not much you can do as far as progress and innovation when that happens. So, well, that'll conclude my remarks on COVID-19, uh, Steve, but it's uh, in- incredible scenes that's going on around the world and just hoping that that the tech companies and the tech industry can do their part to, like you said, fund, research, develop, and, and, and limit the spread of what's going on out there. I'm going to give the technology arena a two thumbs up for actually being the first when it comes to this um, virus infection to actually come out and say, we're going to do something about it. Now, it may not be in the actual creation of a preventive material or uh, vaccine or whatever the case may be, but to say, hey, we can assist in not spreading this and protect our people by doing these types of things. And I think all of them needed to follow suit because if one of them didn't, I think they would have been uh, pretty much blasted out. But I give them the credit to be basically the first industry to uh, step out and say, we're actually going to do something about protecting people in public health. Well, Steve, I think with those comments, we're going to end this episode. As always, we appreciate everybody coming in. If you haven't, Make sure you hit that subscribe button to whatever podcast app of choice that you're playing us on. Go ahead and drop us a rating as well when you're in there. We always appreciate that. And of course, most importantly, you can share the show, word of mouth, any social media outlets. It doesn't matter. We're on all of them. But yeah, any anything associated with uh, spreading the word, we appreciate it. If you love the show, we'd love for you to share that with everybody. So to find recent episodes of the podcast and connect with us on social media, all you have to do is head over to thewavesoftech.com. And of course, be sure to come back next week. Steve and I are going to be diving into more technologies discussion. So for now, thanks for tuning in and don't forget to keep on teching.